This is an ABC podcast. You're listening to Culture Compass on ABC Radio Australia. I got to visit Topu Topu Ateo, which at the time was the political epicenter of the Pacific. And being a newer crew member, I didn't understand. This is Kai. She's an apprentice navigator with the Polynesian Voyaging Society. What Kai is referring to here is Topu Topu Ateo on Rayatea. It's the island home of Tupaya. And who is Tupaya, you ask? He was a respected and revered navigator of what's now known as the Society Islands. Tupaya knew how to read the stars, the sun and the swells to steer his va'a or canoe all the way across the ocean. This was before maps and compasses reached the Pacific. Tupaya's talents were so great they caught the eye of some European sailors on board a ship called the Endeavour, captained by none other than James Cook himself, who invited Tupaya on board to help them steer their way through the Pacific. Our ancestors were voyaging to trade, to deepen our understanding of the world and to build connection. Every island had their own understanding of the elements and seas around them, from Micronesia to Polynesia. And this knowledge was passed down through stories in our oral tradition. But as more and more ships like Captain Cook's arrived on our Pacific shores, they brought with them technologies and methods pushing out our traditional ways. We grow up knowing the stories of Hokula'a in Hawaii. I grew up with my parents telling me about Hokula'a and it's just very ingrained in our networks and our culture here. That's until a great resurgence about 50 years ago. In 1975, Micronesian master navigator Mau Payalug was contacted by a society of eager students in Hawaii. They asked him to share his wayfinding knowledge in the hope they could reinvigorate this tradition. Even though these skills were not usually shared outside of Micronesia, Mao saw he had the power to help revive this knowledge in Polynesia. So he traveled from Satawao to Hawaii to work with the crew of eager young wayfinders. They set about constructing a traditional double-hull canoe, the Hokulea, and used only traditional techniques to sail the Pacific. Sayuli Salamasina von Reiki, and this is Culture Compass, an exploration of survival, revival, and connection throughout the Pacific. Heia Patai is a master navigator with decades of experience. After serving in the Australian Navy, 
He traveled to Hawaii to learn traditional navigation under Nainoa Thompson and Mao Pailuk. To keep these wayfinding traditions alive in his home of the Cook Islands, Eia set up the Te Puna Marama Voyaging Foundation, an organization that trains young people to sail and navigate. always been in the water. My father is a fisherman, so that's how I'm connected to it through my adulthood. I'm always a fisherman and I joined the police and got seconded into the Australian Navy and um, started my career as a traditional navigator in 91. And since then, I'm, I'm always on the water. Your journey to become a master navigator began many years ago. What set you on this path? Well, I think the trigger for that is seeing Hokulea um, came around in our oceans, and um, that really excites me. And I think in, when, when uh, the 1992 Pacific Arts Festival, the opportunity for us was given then because the theme at the time was Waka. That's when the revival of traditional voyaging and, and uh, canoe making begins here, as you know that traditions that has actually disappeared in Polynesia. And uh, we're all more famous of talking about ourselves and, and making ourselves famous just by singing and, and telling stories without really doing it. But uh, for us, I think the beginning is, is around uh, 1992 Pacific Arts Festival and, and it just bloomed from there. What did it feel like to see the Hokulea for the first time? Oh my, this, this was a surprise. I didn't know that there's such things like that. I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a canoe going because, um, I'm kind of used to listening to our songs and, and stories and, and that, like what I said, that, that makes ourselves famous for, for nothing basically. Uh, but seeing, seeing Hokule, um, is it, something that, that inspired us. But for Hokule, I think it's, it's most responsible for the revival of our traditional canoeing knowledge basically all around it in Polynesia. How did you begin to learn traditional navigational skills? I was selected to be one of those by my island. They were building a traditional canoe to sail to the Pacific Arts Festival here in Raro. But no one's have done that for years. And even our, our carvers, our, you know, the old people that was alive then, knowingly how to build sailing canoes, in, you know, the same as our ancestors, those knowledge are, are gone. So they did what they did, building a canoe, probably shaped as, as a fishing canoe, but in a bigger scale. Uh, and then um, they look around and, and uh, they found me. I'm, I'm, I'm a navigator now. I'm on a patrol being in the Australian Navy, and they think, mm. ah, this guy can do it. So I said, no, this is totally different. This is, is you're talking about traditional navigation with basically nothing. But anyway, I went, I was sent to Hawaii and, and learned off of Nato Thompson. And we were lucky also, at the same time, that Grandmaster Navigator Papa Mao from Sotawa was actually living with Lenore. That's how the relation starts, and that's how I begin to walk that path. And it's been a wonderful journey for you. Being in the ocean is, is something that relaxes you, makes you think, you know, it cleans up. And you always think about, be proud of your ancestors, what, what they've done for you. I mean, without canoes, without tawaka. I don't think we will be here. Well, I don't think we'll be talking about our, you know, <laughs> yeah. what they have done. Yeah, we're really proud of our ancestors, and, and I don't think we are there yet, but, um, you know, there's still a bigger responsibility for us 
to pass that knowledge on to our young people. There's so much to learn and a lot to bring back. You were talking about Papa Mao as in Mao Payalag and Nainoa Thompson. They were on the maiden voyage of the Hokulea together when Nainoa was Mao's eager student. What was it like to learn from these two important figures? <laughs> you know, when we trained on um, Nainoa and Papa Mao, the man doesn't talk much. Yeah. He sits behind the canoe and, and then you got to really go beside him and ask him questions. Nainoa is awesome. Nainoa is an, is an awesome teacher. You know, Nainoa is, is Papa Mao's students and, and he's, he's basically our teacher. But for us to ask something with Papa, that, that we got to go and sit beside and nothing is going to come out. But, you know, when we when we first started off, we, we were always under the comfort of having these two famous people with us. And then if, if there's a mistake, then that's okay, you know, we won't get lost. So this, we're always more comfortable. And then come to the time and Nainoa said, no, you got to go. Jump on your canoe and, and sail. That's when I was really, really, you know, you, you realize it. Geez, there's no one around. If you make a mistake, you're done. So my first sail on my canoe using the traditions, I was so scared, really scared. I know I'm prepared. I've, I've prepared myself. I over-prepared myself. But I was scared because there's no more comfort around me. My teacher's not around me. And yeah. then you're doing this by yourself. And I was, I think, the second youngest. My, my crews were older, older than me. And then there's always things going in your mind. Is it, oh, what about if it doesn't happen? What about if it doesn't work? What's going to happen? What's the people going to say? But to be honest, I was so scared. But through the night that the comfort came back, because knowingly the system works, knowingly what you have learned, what your teachers had taught you actually works. My, my shoulders grow big, my chest came out, and I was actually bigger than these old, old guys, you know, knowingly that, that the system works. And, and that was it. That was the thing. It, it, I got hooked right there. And to raise an island without using anything, but to see an island, um, to raise it out of the, the ocean in the morning, and then, oh my goodness, it's something that I can't explain. And and all the time too now, even I've been sailing for 32 years now, every time you raise an island, it's always an excitement. It's so nice to have that feeling. So our ways of traveling the ocean don't involve a compass or a GPS. What elements are you looking for, for directions? The horizons becomes your compass, basically. And at nighttime, you got all these markers coming up, the stars comes up. It's amazing. You got the rising sun in the morning. You got the setting sun in the evening. You got the swells that have been generated by storms far away from you that they can hold for at least three days. You know, all of these things. So when there's an overcast and you can't see anything, then you revert back to the swells. It's always the swells to the wind to guide you. And there's always a lot of stuff that our ancestors have used. And today for us, we're kind of cheating. Because um, we have the proper uh, maps and charts that uh, Maritime calls it, that we know that the island is there, and then, then we, we forget about the charts, and then we concentrate on using these elements. Our insist doesn't have all of those tools. You know, that's the thing. I'm always thinking about it. How do they do it? But at least we're continuing their legacy. We're continuing trying to pass that knowledge on to our people, and I think we're doing good. I'm always in awe when I hear of voyaging stories, and especially when it goes back to our ancestors and how they sailed with nothing, with no compasses and arriving at different destinations safely. And that always amazes me. 
Good on you. That's that's a wonderful experience. I can feel the ocean the way you're talking. <laughs> the double hull canoe was used all across Polynesia to sail between islands. Why is this design so successful? It's basically a catamaran. But a lot of people say, well, canoes in those days uh, doesn't have the speed. But it's been talking about in Captain Cook's diary that this canoe is uh, circling this boat. And then uh, there's always criticism by people that our canoes, Polynesian canoes, doesn't go into the wind. How can they say that? I've, I've proven that, that it works. Everybody's proven it today. So I think we should be really, really proud of us and be really proud of our ISIS as well, how smart they are. And now that the um, technology has been copied, basically, and moved on to the America's Cup, you know, it's, it's basically the same stuff. So for us today, sailing canoes, the biggest thing is safety. And I believe in those days when our ancestors sails, they sails because they want to find new land, they, they want to move. And, and if they do, they, they take their whole tribe, right? So they build bigger canoes. I don't think we have the, the knowledge of today to actually sail bigger canoes like, like how they did. And it's been documented that the canoes are over 100 feet. So the biggest canoe that we have now is 72 feet, and um, it's always hard to sail. In saying that, we sailed basically on our 72 foot um, up to the west coast of America and to Mexico around that area to carry the message of ocean awareness. For me to go bigger than that will be really difficult to sail. So the design of a double hot canoe is safe as anything. I'm proud of it, and I'm proud of ISIS, yeah. You underwent the special ceremony to become a master navigator. What does it mean to be a master navigator? It's basically you are the leader, you are the light, and you guide. With that, it falls back responsibilities on your shoulders. It's basically the main responsibility is to pass that knowledge on. As you know, Papa Mao sacrifices his time, sacrifices and breaks all the protocols in Micronesia to pass that knowledge on outside of Micronesia because it's sacred. It's the same thing. And I think that's the reason why we Polynesians lost ours because it's so sacred that you don't share it. You keep it to yourself because of the wealth, because of the title that comes with it. And then there's no sales out there or they pass on and take the knowledge with them. Mm. But Papa Ma was very, very, I wouldn't say smart, but he can see the future, what's going to happen. So he said, if it continues on the way that, that they were doing it, they're going to end up like us. Mm. They're going to lose it. So he broke all the protocols and passed it on to Polynesians. So that's us. And that's the master navigator responsibility now is to pass that knowledge on so that it will never die and it becomes free for your body. It does not matter who. And I think that's the, how we should be doing it. We should be passing on to anyone. And that's what we're trying to do here. Over the years, have changing weather systems made any parts of navigation different for you? Oh, definitely. It's physical. You can actually see it. And I think that's the most challenging for us traditional navigators now. You know, I, I can tell you, that you're talking about in the 80s or mid-90s, you know, we, you can actually predict a weather six months down the line. And you know where that wind's going to come exactly when that month comes. You can't do that anymore. It's just totally changed. Because it doesn't happen and, and you know where everyone, you can see it. And I know it's, it's climate change is the main effect to it. So for us traditional navigators to plan a voyage safely, we will have to use modern weather apps of today. And I think you've got to be moving with the time. Combining traditional knowledge and modern applications, I think is the best way to move forward. 
and then you got to be safe and um, comfortable to teach. Yeah, absolutely. The Pacific Ocean can be a wild place. Do you have any memorable voyages that you can share with us? Oh, the ocean is not made for us human. I think it's one of those things that we got to remember. It's been written in the Bible, and I think we don't go out there and conquer it. I always teach that to our students, and you go out there to respect it. Because if you do encounter the strength of our oceans and you out there, you start to think twice what you're doing. And I've come across that too when I voyage from New Zealand to Tahiti. We went through a six-day storm that came down from um, Wadawatu. Like we were encountering 10 meter swells, 45 to 50 knot wind for six days. Six days. And you'll be looking on the top just like the waves on a coconut tree and you're right down the bottom. And you'll be praying every time that comes up, it doesn't actually fall back onto the canoe. But there wasn't any time that our canoe have a scary moment of capsizing. So it just makes it feel good that the canoe designs are safe and can handle that situation like that. We don't intend to sail into a storm. It's not something that I want to. But if you end up encountering one out at sea, you know what to do and you know how to come out of it. Can you tell me about setting up the Tepuna Marama Voyaging Foundation? So basically what we do, what our dreams is to transfer knowledge. We're more concentrating on our outer islands. And this year has been very busy for us. Since we launched the canoe in May, we sailed to Samoa to help with our brothers and sisters there with the Voyaging Society there, delivering a educational program in Sawa'i. And we came back and delivered the program in three other islands. So we've been very, very busy in doing that and um, looking forward for next year too. Do you see a growing interest in people learning about traditional navigational ways? Oh my goodness. There's so many people that they're hungry for it. And I think it's because they're proud of their culture, they're proud of their ancestors, and it's something they, they want to be part of it. And now it's, it's getting very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. And that's why I'm looking forward to next year and to deliver our second level of our programs and um, get these young people through. The thing with our teaching is, is that we touch the young people and, and we direct them towards the traditional kind of things. But if, if the, our teachings actually gave them the opportunity so that they can get a better guidance or a better path in their future, I think we've done good also. Why is it so important to keep this tradition going? The reason why is, is because it's a lost knowledge that we have to go elsewhere to get that knowledge back. And, and I think it's very important. I mean, without our culture, we, we're nothing, basically. This is us. Knowing the waka, knowing the traditions of it, it's knowing who you are. That's what I think. Kai Hoshijo grew up in New Valley, Hawaii. She spent her childhood hearing stories of great voyages. This sparked a passion for the ocean that eventually drew her to the decks of the Hokulea as an apprentice navigator in the Polynesian Voyaging Society. Kai is part of the crew sailing the Hokulea on an epic four-year circumnavigation of the Pacific, known as the Moana Nuiakea Voyage. I've been tracking it as they travel through an amazing 36 countries and archipelagos. Under the guidance of Hawaiian navigator Nainua Thompson, one of the eager students to first learn from my pilog all those years ago, 
Kai is part of the next generation keeping this resurgence alive. I spent my early childhood on the ocean, you know, being on an island. My dad used to take me fishing and he would take me surfing and diving. So I'd always been in the ocean, but it's very different to be on a va'a or, or a canoe um, on top of it, seeing everything. And so the experience is a lot different. I remember realizing what a challenge it was to be able to balance your mind and all of the things that are going through your head to be able to get tasks done on the canoe. And you really have to attune yourself to the elements and to the needs of the canoe than the needs of your crew. Can you tell me when the practice began? All of my ancestors arrived to Hawaii by canoe. And to each place in at least the Pacific Ocean, Moananui Akea, Moananui Akiwa is what we call it, right? Mm-hmm. We share similar stories of va'a or vaka across the Pacific. And we share stories of stars. We share stories of different plants that we brought, different times and spaces that stars signified for us. And so the actual action of voyaging to go to places like Hawaii, to seek new land, to seek new horizons and to deepen our understanding of the world. I think that practice has had to have been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, and it's such a living culture now. It still is a living culture, but. I think a big part of it was expansion in a very pono or righteous way. But I got to visit Tapu Tapu Atea in 2022, which at the time, you know, was the epicenter of the Pacific. And I didn't understand it, you know, being a newer crew member, I didn't understand. But then I realized that these canoes took people to meeting places as well. Um, when you wanted to have meaningful meetings with other uh, tribes or other groups from everywhere across the Pacific, or if you wanted to trade. And so it was a way to connect people. I understand our Pacific Ocean was a busy motorway for voyages in those days. You're currently learning under the guidance of master navigator Nainoa Thompson. What's that experience like? It's a really beautiful and challenging experience for me. It was interesting to really talk to Nainoa about his place in you and also the world and how that relates to the world. And so I've been able to spend a lot of time with him as my teacher. And what that's like is is a very beautiful dance of trying to understand and trying to be measured about the learning process. Because he has been navigating for 45, 48 years on these canoes. And it makes me think that I'm not going anywhere and taking my time with learning and deepening these relationships is more important than knowing the answer. And he's really great about being quiet. And so there's a lot of hidden meaning around the way he teaches. Uh, and the way he makes decisions. On the canoe, just watching him is sometimes a really, really valuable thing 
because he's uninterrupted as a teacher. And he's, I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but you have to give your teacher space too. And that way I feel like as a student, I learn more because I have a personal connection to the things I want to learn. It's not directly through what he wants me to learn or what the other teachers or who they are more. We have to be ourselves as well. And so that for me is really important. And I really, really love learning from Nainoa because he allows you to learn in your own ways. That's a very special way of explaining how you're learning. It's so different from being inside a classroom and then going out to the sea. It's so wonderful how you explain that. Traditionally, have there been many women navigators or is it something you're seeing more of now? Traditionally, I've heard many stories about women navigators and Wahine who had elite status or chiefly status. And so I don't doubt for one second that there were women navigators and captains or chiefs that were leading their people on these canoes. And I don't know what the scale is. After a lot of our islands were colonized, there's been so much that has been lost in the stories. So I don't know when I look today and I see so many amazing women circling around one another and supporting one another and finding ways to be in these positions of leadership in such changing times. I just don't know what that scale is. Traditionally, I think with the poll, women were not poll. However, I don't think that discounts any of them from past women, captains and navigators from being great and extraordinary. In saying that, my grandmother, she loved sailing. And she always said, women make great captains. <laughs> yes, yeah. they do. <laughs> I'm just in awe listening to you and how deep your understanding is getting every day. You're, you're getting more and more deeper, you know, into it. It's so wonderful to, to listen to you talk about all the different elements coming together. Why do you think it's so critical to keep this practice going? I think that navigation teaches us not only about nature and the world and where we live, but ourselves. And so that is where, for me, it's incredibly important that we keep this practice going and also raising the bar so that now that we have a larger amount of people that want to learn about navigation and canoes, we need to continue to raise the bar so that we can evolve and we can innovate past the way culture moves as well. You know, we have to move with that, with our navigation practice, but it's vital because, you know, our earth is changing, climate is changing, and we need to go back to remembering how to take care of the earth again and take care of one another. And you can't take care of something you don't know or you don't understand. And at the core of navigation is understanding nature and being humble and selfless about nature. And you learn about the earth and where you are on the earth. And you learn about the miracle of the earth and how much of a miracle this is for us to be able to live here and to survive. And so navigation is important for the future because our world is changing. We have to change course. And the only way to do that is to study it and to know it. For centuries, 
Our ancestors have been reading the language of the elements and listening to celestial whisperings to chart their course. They've taught us how to use skill and wisdom to sail with the stars and use the ocean currents as our guides. But one of the most important things our navigators discovered was connection. They were wayfaring a strong bond between islands and people. It's important for us to understand how they moved so we can keep that knowledge going. Maybe bringing back the old ways will forge a future for the new ways. This is Culture Compass on ABC Radio Australia. Culture Compass is hosted by me, Sayuli Salamasina von Reiki. Our ABC Radio Australia executive producer is Falangafulu Inga Stunsner. From Deadset Studios, our producer is Lucy McAfee. Supervising producer is Grace Pashley, and our executive producer is Rachel Fountain. Audio editing and sound design by Nick McCorriston. This episode was produced on the lands of the Turrbal, Jagra, and Durrbal people. We pay respects to their elders, past and present. <laughs> <laughs>